everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and we're going to get into some things from the Bible today that are going to help us navigate through this crazy world that we're living in today. And you know, there's a story in the Bible about uh, a queen by the name of Esther, and uh, she was a Jewish woman, but not they were not living in Israel at the time, and she ended up queen in that foreign nation. And her uncle said something to her that I think we need to take note of today. He said, you know, It could be that you were born for such a time as this. She went on to save the people of Israel from being destroyed in that foreign nation. And I believe that even with all the terrible things going on around us today, we can look at that and say, you know what? I was born for such a time as this. God knew exactly when you and I were going to be born, and we were born to deal with the things we're facing right now. But the only way we can do that is through the Word of God, through faith in God, and through the Holy Spirit working in us. So, welcome to today you were born for such a time as this. How do I know that? Because you're living right now, and God knew you would be. All right, we've been looking at some things this year, talking about the fact that God has called us to be supernatural people living right in the middle of the natural world. And there are some things we've studied where this is concerned. He said, I am not of the world. Uh, I mean, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And Father, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil. Evil where? The evil that's in the world today. And he wants us out there in the world, but not just as normal everyday people. We're supposed to be living a life touched by his supernatural presence and with access to his supernatural power. And uh, we've looked at a number of things where that's concerned really quick. He prayed for us to know that to know him is life. He wanted us to understand that Nothing else is as important as our knowing Jesus and knowing the Father. Uh, And he was really talking about the Father in that statement. We must believe that he will protect us from the evil while we're in the world. We're not out here alone. God is watching over us, and the more we trust him and walk with him, the more protected we're going to be from all that stuff that's out there. It doesn't mean bad things won't necessarily happen, but it means we can overcome anything that happens. Uh, We must realize we are just as one with the Father as Jesus was. He wanted us to understand that it wasn't he wasn't doing what he did just because he was the son of God in terms of the only begotten son of God. He was doing it as a man living under a covenant. We have a covenant with Jesus and we are one with the Father. We also need to understand that we are one with one another. We're not alone in this. No one of us can do what God wants us to do. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. We're all in this together. He said, I'm in you. You're in me, and they're in us. So we're all in one another. I don't have time to get into that, but that's part of what he prayed. He uh, he prayed for us that we would understand 
that the world system will hate us. You know, there's a difference between the system that controls the world. When he talks about the world, and the New Testament talks about the world, not really talking about the people, although the people can be used by that system, but there is a system that came into play at the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, and that system is what will hate us because he gave us his word. We need to understand that. We're never, we're never, ever, ever, ever going to be liked by the world system because we're here to challenge it and ultimately bring it down. I don't know if you understand that or not. We need to understand that we are to be sanctified. He paid the price for our sanctification. We are sanctified in Christ. That's a that's a legal reality for us, but we need to walk that out and make it a vital reality by the choices we make, by living godly lives right in front of the people, because when we do that, that will give validity to what we have to say. And uh, that the world is not the sum total. What we see here is not the sum total of our life. Thank God we have a life in the future, in an eternal future. Now, that doesn't mean that we want to be so, quote unquote, heavenly minded and no earthly good. We want to be so heavenly minded that we are earthly good. Hallelujah. So when I remember that this is not all there is, it helps me to move forward. It helps me to do what I need to do. And we began talking about how that really comes out, how it works itself out in our lives. And there's a scripture that I really love, Hebrews 11, chapter 6. It says, for they that come to God, First of all, it says, but without faith, it is impossible for, for uh, to please him, him being God, for he who comes to God must believe that he, God, is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, uh, the, the thing that we need to understand is that this idea, God is, and we talked about that last time, and it's so big in my thinking. I, it just, it's this little phrase. It's obvious. Of course, God is. I've, I've served him my whole life. I've been ministering to him most all of my life, and for him, I should say, as well as to him. And yet, I, I know that he is, but there's something different when we grasp hold of the power of those two words, God is. So when I look around at, at what's going on in the world, sometimes we can look at these things and think, God, are you there? Are you involved? Do you know what's going on? Well, let me tell you something. God is. And that also implies that he's involved with us. I do not believe that God created the heavens and the earth. God created man, put him in the garden, said he'd have dominion over the garden. And then when man fell, God said, well, you know, good luck. You know, I'm going to get Jesus to you eventually. But uh, then, you know, you'll come to heaven eventually if you receive him. But uh, good luck along the way. God is not a spectator in your life. Come on, get a hold of that today. God is not a spectator in your life. He is uh, he is completely and intimately involved in your life. He's an active participant in your life and my life. And so that idea that God is needs to be something that begins to permeate everything in our life. It needs to it needs to change how we think when we, we view the world. We need to view it through the lens of God is. He really does exist, number one. And number two, he really is involved in my life. That simple phrase must permeate our whole life life. Now, that is an absolute statement. That is something that we need to grab hold of, but there's a lot more in this verse. And so as we look at the rest of the verse, I want to unpack it a little bit today. 
He's talking here uh, about Enoch, and it says Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God, and Enoch was a guy in the Old Testament that he, it, it doesn't say he did anything special. There was nothing special about him other than the fact that he walked with God. How did he walk with God? Well, this scripture tells us, or this this section of this chapter tells us, he did it by faith. Enoch walked with God. He pleased God. How? By faith. That's the point of the whole chapter. And this particular verse, although it's in that context, is also a general principle. He says, but without faith, you can't please God. It is impossible to please God. I looked that up to find out and make sure that I wasn't uh, reading something into it that wasn't there. But you know what? It means exactly what it says. Without faith, you cannot please God. End of discussion. End of story. It doesn't say without faith, it'd be really, really difficult to please God. Or, and it doesn't say without faith, uh, or faith is one way to please God, he says this absolute statement, without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible to please God. Now, I I believed all my life that I, I, I've taught all my life about faith in God. I believe I have faith in God. I believe that I've walked by faith. And yet the only way that I can really tell, you know, what is it, what kind of faith, what is it that he's really looking for in me? Well, the way we can get this scripture into context is to look at it in context. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it's a verse that most of us are familiar with, you should be familiar with. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That that scripture, what that's telling us is this is the definition of faith. And since Hebrews 11, 6 falls in the same chapter as Hebrews 11, 1, I think we can understand that the faith that pleases God would be this kind of faith, this definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So let's start there. I've talked on this uh, podcast before about hope, but I want to, I, I, I need to kind of put it in perspective or, or get it into the package of what we are talking about right here. What kind of faith pleases God? It's faith that's based on hope. Now, what is hope? Well, there's a lot of good definitions. If you've listened to me at all, you know that my definition of hope uh, centers around the idea of possibility. Something is possible. Now, that may not be the dictionary definition of hope, but the the reality of hope is I see something is possible. If I, if I have hope, something is possible. If I'm hopeless, that means that I do not believe that anything can be done. There's no possibility. There's no, uh, no answer to my problem. Let's put it into a situation that we can all understand. And uh, that is in the situation of, of physical healing, phys- our physical body. Uh, if you go to the doctor and you've been having some pain and, and you've been having some issues somewhere in your body and the doctor examines you, And he comes back to you and says, you have cancer. For most of us, I don't care who you are, and I think even though there has been some progress in this area, but for most of us, we are going to say, that must mean I'm probably going to die. As a matter of fact, hopelessness will begin to set in just with the word. We have a friend who's dealing with some things, and we're praying her through it, and she's staying strong through it. And for a long time, she wouldn't even say the word, although the doctors were saying, this could be cancer. She wouldn't say it, because to say it made it real, and so she wasn't even going to do that. Because when we say the word, then our hope begins to drain away. 
We don't believe that it's possible. That's our first reaction. Now, you know, we haven't heard from the doctor that it's inoperable or that it's terminal, but when we hear the word itself, hope begins to drain away. Now, if the doctor comes back to you and says, but, but, hallelujah for some buts, but, uh, this cancer is treatable or there is a possible treatment for this cancer, what happens? We begin to have our hope elevated because we think, well, the doctor said something is possible, so I have hope. Now, hope is out in the future. Hope is not in the realm of reality. But you see, when we have hope, we can progress. When we have hope, we can become at least to some degree positive. There's something to look to. The the Bible says it this way. Hope is the substance, I mean, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'll get it right yet. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If we have hope, then there's something that we can give substance to. There's something that faith can grab hold of and make real in our lives. Now, in the case of the doctor, what happens first is you hear that there's a treatment, and so you say, okay, well, there's hope. Hallelujah. There's something that can be done. You don't know what can be done yet. You don't know what you're going to have to go through. You don't know how painful it's going to be, but the first response is there's hope. Something can happen. But then the doctor is going to begin to give substance to that hope. How does he do that? He says, well, this is the treatments we can try. This treatment uh, has such and such a, a possibility of success. This treatment has another possibility of success. This treatment involves radiation, chemotherapy. This treatment involves surgery, whatever it might be. He begins to lay out for you the substance of your hope. Amen? Do you get what I'm saying? The hope is just that it's possible, but then he tells you how it's possible. He tells you what you're going to have to do in order for that possibility to manifest in your life. And once you have all of that information, then that hope has some substance that it can grab onto. You go to your friends and you say, now, you know, the doctor diagnosed me with cancer, but he said there is hope and this is the treatment that he's going to give me. And every time that that hopelessness rises, your mind and your your attention will be will turn back to the substance that the doctor gave you that that uh, applies to the hope that he gave you first no hope then there's no substance he could if he told you now listen there's really no hope for this ever being cured but we can do this and we can do this and we can do this well that's that that those things that he tells you don't really carry much weight if he tells you they're really not going to cure you of cancer uh, maybe they give you a few more weeks or a few more months. I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'd say thank you, but no thank you. So hope has to have something to bring it into to the, to the realm of reality or substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Then it goes on to say faith is the evidence of things not seen. In the Amplified, it says it this way. Uh, let me grab hold of that here. It's here in my notes, but sometimes it's hard for me to find my notes when I'm doing this. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Amplified basically says that what we cannot see comes into reality or is made real by faith. Hallelujah. So faith, but faith in what? Well, to get substance to work in our in our medical illustration, 
we we have to understand that it works the same way in the spirit. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What can we not see? Let's keep the illustration consistent. Let's let's say physical healing and again bring that idea of cancer in. Well, maybe there's hope from the doctor and maybe there's not. But let me tell you where we go first. You and I, where we go first for our hope, God is. Hallelujah. If he is then we know that if he made a human body, he can fix it. Now, there are doctrines out there and people out there that say, well, God doesn't do that kind of thing anymore. I I challenge you to really find that in the Bible. I challenge you to find and and even imagine what what was the day like when God stopped healing. There was no more healing in the world. We're left on our own. That's not even like God. God is still a healing God. Healing is part of our covenant. But how can we make that hope real? We start with the fact that if God is, he can heal me. But then we have to have something else. And so we look to the word and we see that um, uh, there are scriptures, there are all kinds of promises in the word concerning healing. Isaiah 53 is in the Old Testament, verse 5, he bore our sicknesses, carried our pains, carried our, uh, our, our, our emotional pains, physical pains, Everything, the, the, the transgression of our peace, he carried our sins, but all of it together includes by his stripes ye were healed. So there's one bit of evidence. God said in the Old Testament that he was a healing God. Now we move to the New Testament, 1 Peter 2.24, and it says this in 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. By whose stripes we were healed. Well, you say, well, that's just, that's spiritual healing. But that can't be spiritual healing because in Matthew chapter 8, he talks about, he uses the same scripture, but he says that he healed all those who had uh, sickness and cast out devils, that it might be understood that he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. You see, talking about this, or Jesus, when he did this, when he bore sickness and disease, not not just emotional sickness and disease, who knows, maybe uh, he bore those too in those crowds, but he healed sick people. He healed people with deformities. He healed crippled people. He healed demon-possessed people. So this scripture has to be relating back to physical healing because it was quoted about Jesus when he was physically healing. Hallelujah. So our hope is that God is. God is a healer. So if I were to get that diagnosis, the first thing I'd have to do is begin to meditate on the fact that God is the God of everything, that God is God Almighty, that God can do whatever he wants to do. And the Bible makes it clear to me anyway that he wants to heal my body. Now, I know everybody doesn't get uh, healing from God the way we'd like them to. I know there are people who still die of cancer. I know there are things that that we have to uh, we have to go to the physical things, a physical doctor. I'm not saying even don't go to the physical doctor. I'm not saying don't take medicine. But I need to start somewhere. If I'm facing an impossibility, I need to start with what's possible. And what's possible is that God is. Hallelujah. And since he is, since he does exist, since he is involved with my life, it's possible for me to be healed. Then what is the evidence? What is it that I can put to that that makes it substantive, substantive, and that I can look to like I looked at the what the doctor told me about treatment. I look at what the Bible says about healing, and there's all kinds of promises. There are many, 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 many promises where God speaks about the healing of our 
physical bodies. 1 Peter 2.24 is one of them. And uh, there are many others. He said, uh, he said uh, many times, Jesus went about doing good, Acts chapter 10, and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. And m- throughout his ministry, he healed. Throughout the ministries in the New Testament, healing comes up over and over again. God is a healer. Healing is part of our covenant. And so we look to those promises. We see those promises. And those promises become the evidence the substantive evidence. How do you know God's going to heal you? Because he said he would. Because his word, his eternal word said, by his stripes, I was healed. So I choose to believe that evidence above everything else. There's a story, we may get into more depth, not really a story, but there is a a teaching that uh, the, the apostle Paul did in Romans chapter four, and he's talking about Abraham. And he says, what shall we say that Abraham has found? He is the father of our faith, not just the faith of, of Old Testament saints, but New Testament saints. But if you go through that chapter, there are a number of things that Abraham did. And one of which is in uh, Romans chapter four, uh, verse 18, he says, he uh, who, contrary to hope, speaking of God, who, contrary to hope, no, I mean, excuse me, speaking of Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. It says, contrary to hope, against hope. What does that mean? It means that he had no hope in the natural. Come on, Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. Sarah had never been able to have children, and Abraham's body was dead. Now, he was still breathing, so the part that was dead had nothing to do, you know, had everything to do with family and nothing to do with anything else. And so uh, you have to conclude that he was impotent. There was no more hope. It wasn't going to happen. But Abraham made a choice. He chose to hope anyway. What was he really hoping in? He was hoping in the reality of God. And what did he have to bring into that hope to make it substantive, to make it substance in the natural realm? He had a promise. God told him, you're going to be the father of many nations. God changed his name when they cut covenant together. He said, you're not Abram anymore. You're Abraham. You're not a wise father anymore. You're the father of a multitude. And so Abraham, it goes on to say that he didn't consider all the deadness. He considered the promise. He thought about the promise. He spoke the promise. Every time he said his name, he spoke the promise of God. Hallelujah. He chose to latch on to a hope that is beyond what's possible in the natural. And that hope became the substance of the promise, uh, became a reality in his life. And he had a child at 100 years old. Listen, I'm 68. I'm not having no more babies. Hallelujah. I don't know if I can or I can't. Uh, you know, everything's okay, all right, without getting graphic, but I don't know if I can or I can't. I don't. I certainly know my wife can't, but I'll tell you what, I'm not interested in having any, whether I can or not, and whether she can or not, we're done. Hallelujah. We did our part. Six children, 17 grandchildren, the first great-grandchild. It's up to other people now. Hallelujah. But uh, Abraham, it was impossible, but he chose to see a possibility. What was that possibility? That possibility was God really does exist. God God is there. God can move in my life. God gave me his word and that makes it substantive. That makes my hope not just something out there somewhere. God gave me his word and that makes my hope full of substance. 
I will be the father of many nations because God promised it. He promised to Abram that all the, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And he promised to Abraham that he would have Canaan as a home. That was the substance that he hoped or of what he hoped when he hoped against hope. There are so many other areas, every area of life. But I want to touch on one because it's not just about things. It's not just about body. You can you can apply this to your to your financial life. You can apply this to your emotional life. You can apply this to family life. You can apply this to work life. Anywhere that that you that your life touches, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It begins with the fact that God is. So whatever I'm facing, since he is, then he can do something about it. I may not know what. And then you go to the word and you find out what he said he would do. And that makes it substantive so that we can we will eventually see it in the natural. Another area that I just want to touch on because so many people struggle with the sense that, well, you know, I got, I know God can do things. I know God wants to do things, but I'm not worthy. I've just been too much of a sinner. My past, you know, what I did in my past, that's God's not going to heal me because of all that. God's not going to move for me because of all that. And even now, I'm not everything I should be. Listen, nobody is everything they should be, okay? Not in our outward life. But can I tell you something? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things are of God. And jump down to 21. For he made him who knew no sin, that was Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become or be made the righteousness of God in Christ. I am right with God. That's all that word means. I'm right with God. Hallelujah. When I received Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, I became, I came to the place where I was right in God. Now, does that mean we just do whatever we want to do, live any old way we want? I'm right with God, so everything's okay and all my behavior's okay? The Bible doesn't even come close to teaching that. But what it does teach is this. When uh, I do not feel righteous, when I, when I, that kind of uh, unworthiness comes over me, I can go back I have hope that that because I've heard or because in my Christian experience, people told me I was right with God, I was saved by grace through faith, but I can go, I can take that hope and bring substance to it by going to five, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for me, that I might be made, I was made the righteousness of God in Christ. When I am tempted, I can look at uh, 17 through 21 of the same chapter, and I can say to the tempter, I'm a new creature. That's not who I am. Well, you always, no, 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 no. I used, that person died. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have become new. All things are now of God. The old has passed away. Uh, I don't have to sin anymore because I am right with God. He loves me. I'm at home with him. Uh, He's received me. He's accepted me. So I don't have to sin. I don't need to do this stuff to satisfy my flesh because I am one with him. Uh, And uh, when we feel that condemnation come upon us, we again can go back to this section of scripture and say, you know what? I don't have anything to be condemned about. If you have a sin... Repent of it. If there's something you know is wrong, take it to God. Don't be afraid. 
It's not, it's not some big bad thing. It's like going home. Just go to God and say, Father, I accept accountability for this thing that I'm doing. I ask you to forgive me. And you know what First John tells us? He will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Any of the stuff that gets into us because of that, if we'll repent of it, he cleanses it out of us. And we are again, actually, we never stop being right with God from his side. We stop being right with God from our side, but he cleanses that and gets us back in tune with him. Listen, we need to understand that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And let's bring in the whole idea of being supernatural. Supernatural people are faith people. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by just the natural realm. We Faith is what connects us to God. It connects us to that supernatural uh, dimension in which God lives and we have access to it. But how do we have access to it? By faith. When I trust and believe what God says, when I find and read his promises, when I meditate on his word, then that hope that God is can begin to grasp different things. You know, I don't think we should just look for promises when we have a problem. I think we ought to be hunting promises every time we read the word. And when we see a promise, we need to note it some way in our heart, in a notebook, in our phones, in our computers, whatever it may be. We need to find those promises and meditate on them regularly. And then what happens is when a challenge arises, instead of having to look around and, okay, uh, God is, I know God is, what, what is it that God might say? He'd, we know. And the hope and the substance and the evidence begins to flow as one together in our lives. And as we do that, we become those supernatural people in the natural world. And people will look at us and say, because you see, our hope goes beyond hope in the natural. That's exactly what Abraham was talking, or what Paul was talking about, about Abraham, when he said he hoped against hope. There are many circumstances in the world today. We know the things that we're facing. I'm doing this right in the middle of the whole war in Ukraine, and we pray for those people, Lord, that you would help them, bless them, protect them, cause the evil to cease. But I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. I don't know what's going on in your life. But whatever it is, we have access to something that is a hope that is beyond hope. It's a hope. It's a, I, I wrote this down. I want to, to read it just because I thought it was really good. Um, <clears throat> there is a whole, I hope I can, when I feel, I got to go back here. I don't want to, I don't want to leave this out. Hope tells me God can heal. Hope that when I have hope, there is a whole layer of possibilities that we won't see in the natural. And so if we can look beyond the natural and hope against hope, Hope because God is. Now let's find the promise. Let's find what the word says. Let's get before God and let him speak to us personally. But remember, nothing he speaks to you personally will be beyond what the word of God says. It will always agree with what the word of God says. That's one of the reasons we need to be in church. We need to be accountable. We need to be uh, with other people who can help us, help us in our interpretations, help us to know what, whether what we're hearing is accurate or not, or at least uh, to help us make it more accurate accurate. At any rate, we have a hope that is beyond the natural. It's a supernatural hope for today and for eternity. Hallelujah. For ourselves and for others in our community. We become the gateway. We become the open door. We become the city set on a hill that can draw others to God. That's our purpose. That's why we need to be supernatural people. 
in a natural world. That is the tremendous potential that God has invested in us as the church and the body of Christ. Well, praise God. That's my time for today. Have a great week. Have a great day. Have a great month. Have a great year. We'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. Have a great day.